0: Hey everyone, I'm Alan Schimmel, and you're watching another episode of CISO Talk. Of course, CISO Talk is a bi-weekly video series that examines relevant topics in cybersecurity and technology, and we've got a great one lined up for you today. Before we jump into the topic, though, I wanted to introduce you to our panel. First of all, my co-host and uh, you know one of the catalysts behind CISO Talk is my friend Matt Newfield. Matt. Welcome. And Matt, maybe you just want to introduce yourself for people who aren't familiar.
1: It's a pleasure, Alan, as always. So my name is Matthew Newfield. I'm the Chief Security and Infrastructure Officer here at Unisys Corporation. So I cover both the CIO function as well as the CISO function.
0: Fantastic. Good stuff, Matt. Joining us today, we, we have uh, actually a returning guest, Karen Moore. Karen, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself.
2: Thanks, Alan, and thanks for the return invite. I had so much fun last time. So Karen Karen Moore, and I am the Chief um, Compliance and Privacy Officer at Unisys.
0: Thank you, Karen. And then um, joining us for the first time, and Michelle, I'm, I apologize. My glasses aren't on, and I can't read your name as well. I don't want to mess it up, though. Michelle, if you wouldn't mind rep Uh, introducing yourself to the audience and a little background.
3: Sure, thanks so much. I'm Michelle Beistel, and I am the Chief Ethics Compliance and Privacy Officer for The Nature Conservancy, and um, used to be at Unisys.
0: Fantastic. And then last but not least is is my co-host in business for many, many years, Mitch Ashley. Mitchell, welcome. You want to just give a quick background?
4: Sure, you bet. Great to be here, and always enjoy um, this wonderful panel. Um, I'm Mitch Ashley. I'm CEO of Accelerated Strategies Group, an analyst firm that focuses on cybersecurity, as well as digital transformation, cloud native, DevOps, software, how it's transforming our world, and. And um, so it's great to be here. I'm excited to have Michelle on for the first time, and I'm just I'm detecting this thread of Eunice's here somehow. I, I picked yeah, up
0: somehow there's a, there seems to be a six degrees of separation of unis, but <laughs> not <that's> even. <laughs> but, um, but in any event, uh, today's today's topic is women in technology, and and that's a loaded title in in, in today's world. Obviously, there's so many different aspects of this and, and, and I think when we talk about women there's the aspect that deals with diversity in general and then there's an aspect that deals strictly on gender, not necessarily on race, color or or creed. And and you know, I'm not I don't wanna limit our scope today to just gender. I, I do want to talk though about women in technology and what are some of the challenges what are the, some of the things I think that are structurally maybe built into our system that is that is holding back further change? Um, and what what you, our audience, can do about it. Karen, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you to kick us off here, and then we'll go into our usual feel-free-to-jump-in format.
2: Sure, Alan. I, I almost don't know where to start because there is a large part of me that. Resents having to talk about women in anything. I, you know, I hate the idea that I've been denied an opportunity because of my gender, but equally as we course correct, I I also question whether I should be given an opportunity because of my gender. And and so it's a really, um, you know, kind of tiresome but incredibly important. Topic and and I'm starting to wonder if the next generation um, doesn't have it a little bit better. This kind of whole non-binary movement, not just from a sexual orientation um, perspective or gender identity perspective, but the real concept of degendering things, um, starting with language. You see that Michelle and I um, and. Um, and Jody all have our pronouns um, there because now people's pronouns are important. They're an important part of their identity and, and that, that that concept that we can degender something is very appealing. Um, to me. Um, Hungarian, for example, has no gendered pronouns at all. And I can't help but wonder if that doesn't affect the, their their perception of people and their capabilities when they're having these these types of discussions. So, so that, that's where I am. I'm kind of in a position where I want to talk about women in tech to the extent that I'd like to stop talking about women in tech, um, that, that there's equal opportunity and equal perception and, and equal capabilities.
0: You know, it's funny you bring up Hungarian I'm not. I'm not a linguist expert, but Hungarian is such a. You know, it doesn't even. I don't even believe it's in the Indo-European language. It it comes from a a very where everything else in Europe is, and and all the way down to India, it's Indo-European hung. Right, Hungarian and and Finnish are probably the two closest related, and they they come from a different root altogether. And and maybe there is something in Western languages, and you know. That, that gets to this whole sexual gender thing. Um, and I'm not so sure the next generation's going to have it easier. I, I let, me, let me put that as a, a premise out there. Michelle, what do you think? I mean, guys, you know, it's a big topic. I certainly
3: share the hope that, you know, five years from now, the same group, a similar group, you know, recording something, our topic wouldn't be women in tech it would be just about people in tech have that that hope as well i don't know if i'd say it's e- going to be easier for the next generation but i do think that societal norms and the way these conversations are happening not just in uh, corporations but happening in schools in our communities with people that influence us as we grow up i do think that's going to make a difference and i think it's mostly it, it's not just changing how women think, right? It's changing how everybody thinks. All people have to think differently about how we differentiate ourselves, keep that differentiation, which is important because we're all individuals. So we don't want to lose the aspect that is good, that we're all individuals, we all approach things differently, but we want to be judged for our individual merits instead of on these characteristics that we are. Um, we come into this world with. So I do think that kids that are growing up now because this conversation is happening out in the world I think there will be more awareness which will lead to better outcomes for all of us
1: I think that's one of the the more interesting things that I see today is that the conversation can be had and it doesn't have to be you know had behind closed doors or with lawyers present or um, in an awkward, scenario. And, you know, one of the the, the things that I, I, I'm i always curious about in this conversation is what does good look like in this scenario? What are we really striving for? And I love the idea of people in technology. You, you, often in conversation, we talk about, you know, um, what do we care about in technology? And I, I always tell people, I care about one part of your anatomy no matter what, there's one part of your anatomy I really, really care about, and anatomy is probably the wrong term, and it's what sits between the back of your skull and your eyelids, right, your brain? How do you think? What do you think? Can you you solve problems? Do you understand the technology? But that seems very foreign to people um, in in the world, and I think we've all experienced some of the hardships, maybe the right word, um, some of the stereotypes, some of the the issues when it comes to getting to people in technology. So what can we do about that? How do we help people today? And how do we help so that in five years we can see something that is paramount to success or close to success as compared to having this conversation? Because I'll shut up in half a sec, but I feel like five years ago, we were having these kinds of conversations about diversity in the workplace, diversity in cybersecurity, gender gaps in cybersecurity. I mean, it was at a major conference quite a few years ago. This was the conversation du jour about what percentage of cyber or technology is actually women. And I remember being at this presentation, there was an argument on stage because people were saying, well, the number is a lie because someone's secretary is marking themselves as being a technology. And that sparked a whole argument on stage of why do you assume a secretary is a woman as compared to a male secretary? And it it sort of, we all laughed. So what does good look, look like? And what can we do
2: about it? Yeah, I, uh-huh. I love that idea of what, what does success look like? You know, not just not talking about women, talking about people in tech, but how, how do we get there? And, and why tech? Why why specifically tech? I mean, nobody talks about women in HR. If you're going to have a senior executive that's a female in your team, um, it's probably going to be the HR person and not not the CISO. And, and at what point does that paradigm um, shift? And I, I think Michelle, you're maybe a little optimistic in five a five year perspective because we've been talking unisex since the sixties, right? Trying to say chairperson instead of chairman, and um, trying to measure the number of, of women in executive positions, and that's shifted so so slowly. But why technology? And and I I can't help but feel that technology is this really unique bubble where it's this big club that has literally has its own language or languages. And that if you can break into that bubble, you're fully accepted because you're just one of the techies. But getting to be a techie, why is that such a bar for, for women to achieve? Are we not, Are we not aiming there because we feel that we won't be? let into the club Uh, is that the Uh, problem where where's the barrier where's the the entry point that we're not flooding into
0: so let me let me i'm sorry go ahead mitch i
4: I was just going to add i kind of keep i keep thinking about different leadership roles that i've played and i remember a time where it it was blame the recruiter you're not bringing me people like this right of of this of this sex or this uh, uh, a particular aspect of, of our society and i think the thing i've learned just maybe it's just for myself is there's sort of this light switch of nobody's going to do anything about it unless i do something about it i mean if we all took that attitude um and and i don't mean to make it sound like it's a problem you know that i'm going to go solve on my own or that kind of thing Um, I i have the great fortune and I really mean this sincerely, of having a stepdaughter who is in this is in the generation of people you were talking about, Karen, that are in in this transformation from binary sex to non-binary, and a lot of the a lot of the transformations that we see trying to happen in our society. And um, it, it's a great opportunity to learn, but I have to kind of realize I have to unhook what I think I know and start to learn. From other people, what those obstacles are, and not just, to, not just to sort of tamp it down and make it go away, is how do we just get rid of that obstacle? Mm-hmm. Um, I happen to, you mentioned HR. I had the good fortune working with an HR person. We were talking about salary diversity, <laughs> compensation diversity. And so we just said, well, mm-hmm. who's going to stop it if we just go find out what the difference is and then up everybody's salary? Who needs an adjustment? Don't make it a step. Make it equal, let's just do it. And so I, those are the kind of things that I try to look for in learning from you, know, you Karen, Michelle, and Matt. I mean, people that are really making a conscious effort and who believe this is
0: important. Yeah. So let me, I, I want-
1: Oh, go ahead, Alan.
0: So I'm sorry, Matt, I'm gonna take my host for prerogative here and uh, grab it. So to the point of why tech, Right, I, I have a good reason, and I have good reasoning behind why tech, but I think to understand why tech, we have to understand why is tech different and what's going on in our world, right? And, and I think it's a good thing, especially right now. We see it happening right now. The, the, the fight for equality in this country that's supposedly the freest country on Earth, is ongoing every day. We haven't passed an Equal Rights Amendment. It's been kicking around since I was a teenager. And I'm 60. We can't get it passed. There are bills in a majority of states in this country today that want to take away the rights of transgender people that haven't yet declared gay lesbian, bisexual, queer whatever I'll be you know as equal people in this country. So we could talk about tech and I'm going to tell you why tech should lead the way but we have to fundamentally realize that in this country and we're supposed to be the beacon where maybe we are, maybe we aren't we haven't p- put an even playing field for people of gender based on gender bias or, or sexuality or diversity to play on an even field. Forget about tilting it or giving them an advantage. We haven't gotten that equal field yet. Why tech though? You know, when, when, when COVID came in last year and we stopped going to conferences, this show plays on something called Tech Strong TV and why, why tech? Because I believe that tech does offer a better way. We are a global community. We are, in in many ways, the ultimate meritocra- meritocracy. We want to judge people by how good the code they write is, not what color or what kind of fingernails and finger paint they have when they're typing that code, right? Technology, and and and, and let's not rem- forget that technology right now is the alpha predator on the pecking order, because without technology, where would we be sitting in our homes with candles, right? Not afraid to go out praying to some shaman or something to, to help us from this terrible pandemic. right? So technology, it has to fulfill its role, which is to lead And, you know, we call it tech-strong TV, and and that's what this is on. Tech needs to be strong on this. Tech has to lead the way on this because we can't expect or wait for the rest of society to show us the way. We we need to show the way. So with that said, I'm going to step off my soapbox now, and, (laughs) Matt, let you go ahead with it.
1: So I do agree tech is the great equalizer because, again, in this field – We don't care, right? I don't, I personally, as a a technology executive, what I care about is not anything about you as a person. What I care about is what you can do in our organization. Hard stuff, right? And it doesn't, the rest of it doesn't matter to me. What actually matters though is the more diverse the group, generally the better the outcome, right? Because it's diversity in thought and experience and all these great things but it still goes back to one of the core problems. And I think we've all touched a little bit here. I'd love to get the thoughts is, you know, to be honest, this is not for me to solve. I cannot solve this problem. And it is a problem because we're still talking about, so it's still a problem. But I think one of the problems is there are those of us that sit and go, well, I'm gonna solve this issue and I cannot solve an issue that is not for me to, to solve. I think that's one. And two, I think what a lot of people don't do well is listen. When I recently was asked to chair our United by Diversity, um, we have AIGs inside of our organization. The first thing that group asked me is, What am I going to do for them? What am I going to do? And it was a pretty simple response it's just listen and learn. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen and learn. And if I can knock down any barriers, if I can give a perspective, that's wonderful. But I'm here to listen and learn. And that's the same thing here that I look to Karen and Michelle and anybody else who will listen is what what can we assist with? How can we help make a difference so that as we continue down this path, especially in technology, because let's be honest, that's our bread and butter, we we can be a part of the change instead of always feeling like we have to lead the change
3: just chime in. I completely agree. And I want to comment on two things. One, I think that Matt, you touched on this um, and Alan, I really appreciate the perspective you shared, but why technology? Why is it so important? As you described Alan, technology is, is what we all rely upon in our everyday lives. And if we are leaving out statistically, you know, half of the population of of the world in helping to develop technology for future generations, it's gonna to continue to be biased, it, it just is. Um, if you only are bringing one gender type pr- predominantly to developing technology, implementing it, innovating, figuring out where it can be helpful, there's gonna be a whole lot we're gonna miss and it's conti- it'll continue to increase the divide that we already see, I think, in technology. So I think that's the other why technology and why it's so important. And then what does success look like matt i think what you said you know i think where we maybe i'm going to just speculate here where maybe we have gotten hung up on as as a country as a society and not passing some of these things is we look too big and we certainly should have big goals and we should have them but we have to look at those incremental places that we can say you know what that was an excellent thing we just achieved some success here And to me, the fact that we are having these conversations that Mitch and Matt and Alan, you are talking about your learning journeys. You know, that is huge as as men in this world. I think that is the piece. You're not gonna solve it. I absolutely agree. It's gonna take everybody. But so much of that is each of us taking in and raising that awareness, recognizing the problem and having these conversations. And then agreeing that there's some incremental steps. You know, don't get so overwhelmed with like the huge problem. But what incrementally can we do?
2: And oh, I, I also, I'm sorry, I, I really liked um, what what Matt said about the listening. And it's not just the listening; it's the open-mindedness. Um, because one of the why tech answers, I think, is that it's a very multifunctional, diverse by. Um, by by subject matter area. This is not, you don't have to be an MIT graduate to be a woman in technology. And Lord knows I've been dragged into technology backwards through the hedge, kicking and screaming, sometimes by Matt, um, with with a person who doesn't have a tech background. And, and Matt, you just said to me the other day, you are a woman in technology. You work for a tech company. You're working on Technology issues and the things that I bring to the table are not the how do we solve the multi-tenant server problem, but understanding what the multi-tenant server problem is and what the behavioral components are that are creating um, difficulties in in the exposure of data. And then there are other people there that are are solving the technical side of it and other people who are innovating and implementing ideas and the, the kind of the diversity not just of gender around the table, but of thought process and experience and the contribution, I think tech lends itself to a very open-minded um, uh, acceptance of different viewpoints and including um, different uh, gender positioning because because it is multifunctional. I think that the days of tech being equal to somebody sitting and coding is is a very limited perspective and those days are gone.
4: You know, it's interesting, Karen, too, it, it, sort of tech is is not only the great equalizer from we all can have access to it tech doesn't care what gender we are tech doesn't care what color we are what color our hair is whether we're 60 or you know nine years old or
0: whatever whether we have hair or not or because. whether we have hair or not or, you know, <laughs> we ever had hair <laughs> yeah. I
3: there, there's that. something women
2: women can bring to the table <laughs>
3: tech shouldn't but we've all read articles just in the past you know 10 years about security technology that has been developed. And when they tested it, it had biases, yeah, you know, right. it had ethnic biases it had gender. So you're, I agree, but I just do want to point that out that, that you know, there's a, there's still um, it should be neutral, but if you have coders that are bringing some unconscious or conscious biases, it's not always
4: Maybe right. it starts right. neutral. But
1: that, that <laughs> brings the people aspect into it. I mean, we yes, can down a, a a rabbit hole here of we all talk about um, home automation, right? It's one of my favorite personal conversations to have with people and you know, smart assistance in our homes, right? Whether it be one large company or another large company. Interestingly enough, and as a, a male, I never really thought about it until recently that. All three of the big ones, they're all women voices, right? Female voices. They all have female names. They are all female. And if you insult them, right? And I don't know if you've seen the videos or watched it. The responses are not, that's inappropriate. Don't be a jerk. It's, um, that's your opinion, sweetie. And these really weird Not, in my opinion, normal responses. So it does lend. Tech is the great equalizer because it can be whatever we want it to be. And unfortunately, if there are people in tech who want it to be a problem, it will be. But it also goes to me to this conversation is, okay, so there's also a lot of misunderstandings. We'll just go with misunderstandings of what it takes to be in tech. What does your background need to be? Do you have to... Be a math genius? Do you have to have a degree starting in high school, then undergrad, then grad to get in tech? And I'll just point out on a personal level, you know, I had a psychology degree. I ran restaurants when I was in my early 20s. That's what I did. I thought I wanted to do it. You know, I tell my wife back in the day, my dream was to open my own restaurant. Now that's more like my nightmare. Um, And you know, we could all tell of our stories, especially those that are in some of the older generations. There was no cybersecurity. There was not even a lot of real tech degrees where we came from. So how can we help the transformation with that in mind?
4: I think, oh, I think here about, we
2: are. Yeah, here we are helping. Yeah,
4: exactly. And I think it isn't, um, no offense to lawyers, you don't have to go to law school to be you know, you do to be a lawyer, but you don't have to to be a cybersecurity professional. You can self-learn. You can on the job learn. You know, professionally learn, too. I mean, I started my career, first job out of college was, was with EDS. Their model was bringing in and training teachers, educators to learn to be programmers. What we called them back then. And our whole heritage is, of course, with, with programming coming from, you know, um, grace hopper and all the we have a number of women in the beginning of our industry but my i guess my point is there isn't an entrance criteria to tech it anybody can learn it and so it's probably more of a you know how do you remove the biases of what we might limit ourselves or others limit us to and how do we create opportunities for people to have access to go do those things
2: Well, and so i'm, I'm going to disagree
0: think- oh.
4: Oh no, you can
2: ask. Oh, I was gonna just ask Mitch a question because I think it's yeah. really interesting. Do you think that women self-limit because of those perceptions? That we're the ones that are not jumping into tech because we feel like we have to have that background and degree.
4: I think just the fact that we we have the belief, and you know, I think it's more than just women, of the sciences, the STEM, you know, women in, in technology, it's so deeply rooted into our society that it can be undone and people Every day prove, you know, what's possible. So I, w- the same people who create the bias or live the bias can un- uncreate it, can undo it. But you have to consciously say, that's not a limit. I'm not going to let that. I'm not letting that group of people define me. I'm going to go do what I think I'm pot- capable of doing. And maybe I have a great mentor or a set of mentors along the way that's helped me, you know, not let myself be my own limitation. No matter who, no matter who I am.
1: So I'll give a piece of controversial advice. So there are a lot of bad people in the world. There are a lot of bad people in leadership positions. There are a lot of bad executives across the field, right? It doesn't matter if it's technology, cybersecurity, HR, legal, there's bad people. And unfortunately, a lot of bad people create a lot of the barriers that we're talking about. If you're in an organization as a male, as a female, as a non-binary, if no matter how you See yourself. If you don't feel you're in an organization that sees you for what we're talking about here, and again, it's the brain and your ability to accomplish great things, you're in the wrong company. I do put some of it back on us as individuals. I've left organizations because I did not believe in the culture. I did not believe they saw me for who I was. Um, and I think, uh, especially in technology where there are a lot of opportunities, and there are a lot of hiring executives who are looking for great people. Well, we care about great people, right? Not, not I need. And Karen, you brought this at the beginning, and I couldn't agree more. Not I need to hire three more women. Find me three women so that my numbers are good. I don't really care because that sets you up for failure as a person. Uh, but you know, maybe taking some introspective time as well. This is something you want to do and you're not getting it where you are, make a change. You can make a change, especially in the world of COVID. A lot of the, I don't live in an area where their office, all that went away because we're not in offices either. And you can, you can really make some powerful changes for yourself and companies and leaders who don't believe in this are going to fail. They're gonna fail because people are gonna leave them in droves. And it's not just the women who will leave them, the men will leave them as well. I don't wanna work for someone who believes. Yeah, a well, couple
2: of it's things. So maybe it's, oh, sorry, Alan, because I cut you off. No, no, go ahead, go ahead.
1: No, I, I was I just also
2: thinking that, that 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 it's how we define um, tech as a field that's important as well. There's a really interesting interview with um, Ellen Hunt, who's just a, a star in the compliance space and she was with AARP and was asked to take on audit so she took on audit and now she's with a big healthcare company and she was asked to act as the CISO and and she's being asked you know like do you you don't have any background whatsoever in cybersecurity. Isn't that important in order to be the CISO? And she said, absolutely not. I can do this. I just surround myself with really great people that have the cyber background. They're going to educate me. Um, And and so I think it's redefining that and also reaching out, reaching across those functions to bring people in, which, Matt, I have to say, at the risk of you know, blowing your head up even bigger. You are so genius at. I mean, there is no question that I feel is too dumb to ask you. Can you help me understand this? Can you make me a better person doing what I do to understand better what you do? Um, those conversations are what make me a woman in tech, which I never would have dreamed as defining myself.
0: Fair enough. So two two, two uh, thoughts on on some of the comments out here. Number one, in, in terms of what what stops women themselves, right? Karen, your point was, you know, many women just feel like, I, I can't do that. I think there's been a lot of articles and research rate lately that this starts kicking in at puberty, right? That when girls, you know, prepubescent girls and boys, girls actually do better in STEM than boys. But at some point around puberty, there's some sort of, Bias that kicks in and says no, no, you're not as good as the boys on this, right? Or yeah, that's a boys thing. Go play with dolls, or, or you know, something stupid like that. And so that by the that by the time that girl is 12 or 13, and by the time they're 18, which is when you would start, you know, revving up your your career that way, or 20, whatever. That oh no, you can't do it has already been like baked in. Right. So you, you can't, you know, women shouldn't beat themselves up over this. I, I think it's, it's, it's largely institutional that it's baked in and it takes a rather strong individual to say, screw that. I'm as good or better than any of them. The caveat though, is this, Matt, how long are you in, 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 uh, tech now? 25 plus years, 30 years. Me and Mitchell are too. Karen and Michelle I I realize not as you know, (laughs) you're much younger. But I don't think I don't think people like cybersecurity, right? There was no cybersecurity training when we got into security, but today there is. Today there is. Today, when you're hiring cybersecurity people, you're looking not only at their relevant experience, but at their relevant education in cybersecurity. The other thing is because the that tech has gone global, you're not just competing with the person in Virginia or Colorado or or Florida. You're per, you're you're competing against the thousands of graduates, freshers coming out of school in India. Or Singapore, or China, or Eastern Europe, right? This is, a, this is a global marketplace. And if it's truly a meritocracy, you know, having, having that training, having that background, that's it, got to give you an edge. It's got to. I, I don't think it's as easy as it was for kids, for, I call them kids, for young adults coming out today, entering the, the space without formal training.
1: I think though, it's very important that as leaders, as teachers, as educators, as parents, we have to be self-reflective. We have to listen more. When, you know, a couple of years ago, I was on stage with a young lady who was in university for cybersecurity. And the story she gives about the teachers not listening, that she was the only girl in her class, having to deal with all the boys asking her out and her turning them down that she got a bad reputation. And, you know, some of the struggles that she went through, all I could get in my head was how did the teacher not know that? How could you be in a classroom where you're, you're, this is going on? And and I think we all, and I would say that in business as well, is you've got to pay attention. If you have a For me, if one of my direct reports, only one, for example, could be a woman to make sure that she doesn't feel like a secretary. And you've got to really listen and pay attention. And you have to be self-critical, right? I I am not right. Hard stop. I'm not right. I am just a voice among many voices. And if we're going to make a change here, we've got to really start listening. And for some people, depending on how stuck you are in your viewpoints, you may be in a situation where what you're hearing sounds crazy, right? You're like, "This, there's no way that this is going to make sense. But if it's someone else's viewpoint and it's not hurting you, we have to listen with an open mind.
2: Thanks. Well, and li- listen yeah. at all. Sorry, Michelle. Oh, yeah.
3: Just, you know, Matt, it's funny you mentioned I was in the audience when Matt was in that panel and that was coming to my mind as we were talking about how do you um, change that paradigm, uh, Alan, that you were identifying, the puberty shift, for, for lack of a better term, you know, when it seems the shift that that more um, girls, you know, start to de become de- less interested in STEM, which will lead them then likely to not pursue the level of education they might need in our industry today, in the cyber industry today. And Matt, in that same session, you might recall, you talked specifically about hitting, you know, giving kids some way to develop experience, interest in cyber in middle school. And part of that does require providing them with mentors, with role models. And I think, Mitch, you mentioned mentorship, which we haven't really talked about, but I think that's a huge component of how we continue to change the paradigm and that listening and learning, it always helps if you're listening and learning from someone who you can identify with um, who, if they don't look like you, at least has some kind of background or experience that you can share. And that can be in a variety of forms. But I think developing those mentors and getting them out into the world to start influencing the next generation of of women and non-binary individuals will, will also help us to change this shift.
4: You know, Michelle, I think there's there's another factor to add to that and that is <clears throat> recognizing I will never experience what it's like to be a woman in the workforce or of you know any other perspective like that. Um, but what I can commit to is I can commit to, as Matt talks about listening and learning and because there's a lot I don't know. I mean, there's much more that I don't know than I do. And I think that recognition of it's just impossible I could not, really fully embrace, understand, and know what that experience is like in in, in in any way. But I certainly can listen to what you can teach me, what you can share with me. And that'll influence how I think and how I act and and I can help others.
2: I, I think it's, it's listening, but it's also demonstrating that you're listening. Uh, I cannot count, and this is not just in the technology space how many times I have said something and not been heard um, mm-hmm. in a business context so I think that kind of extra effort to demonstrate that not only did I listen to you but I heard what you said I might not agree with you or incorporate it or act on it but I at least heard you
0: you heard yeah no I I get it I mean in our own exec team you know unfortunately we only had well we have two women three now Three women who are, you know, out of eight or nine folks, so it's only about a third, and um, and I, I'm really cognizant of that because i I've, as I've learned to recognize my own white male privilege, I, I've I've recognized how often in conversations, even in here, right? Who wants to talk next? Well, wait, I'm going to go, Michelle. You have to wait for me. That that's not the way life should be. Right, especially I as the host, I, mean, I should let you talk more. But, um, but, Karen, Michelle, I mean, f- feel free to speak up. How many times in conversations is like these man, men, 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 splain and, and talk over you, right? And 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 even when you do talk, as you say, they don't really hear you. Okay, good. Now let's get on to what the next guy said. And um, it, when you become sensitive to it, you start seeing it. Over and over and over again. And, you know, as Mitchell said, you try to recognize it, you try to
1: compensate for it. But. I don't see anybody mansplaining to Michelle or Karen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you Not probably a second got bad, time. Examples. <laughs> bad examples here, but it is, getting back to technology as the leveler. I do feel that when you have something intelligent to say and you're speaking the right language, you, you do get heard right away, I think, more quickly in technology than in some mm-hmm. other other spaces when you're talking more strategically, maybe. Um, and so I'm, I'm still climbing. I'm, I am a total language freak. I was a Soviet studies and Russian major in college. Um, and this is a language. Uh, technology is a language. You have to learn how to speak. And people will listen if you're saying the right thing, saying something smart. I
3: think the other thing is this is where um, I think you know, folks like Matt and Alan and Mitch, you are, and you can be great mentors to, to women in the field by exemplifying that behavior that doesn't mansplain, that provides room for all thought, that invites women into the conversation. Um, and, and then there's the, the part of it where for all, I mean, this really is not just gender-based, but, delivering that leadership type training experience so people know how to show up at a meeting to be heard you know I agree Karen there are definitely times when as a woman I have not been heard primarily because I'm a woman but there are things that I knew in that were within my control but I only knew them because I watched mentors do it or I had leadership sessions or I was told like try this if you're not being heard and some of that you know it's it's just again, getting that experiences and being offered the chance to get the experiences, and I think that's where being aware and keeping our biases, you know, trying to to recognize our unconscious bias that we all have, and keep it in check, helps us to be those mentors that that women need.
1: I like that. And not be defensive, right? I mean, we're you know, one I have mentors and I am a mentor, and I'm constantly trying to get. Feedback and criticism, and, and taking that criticism. And, and the problem is, again, in these scenarios, if you become overly defensive, people won't give you the honest truth, and then it becomes even more of a bad thing. And you know, the other piece of advice I give anybody watching this is, you know, when we talk about mentors, I think a lot of times we we want a mentor that looks like us, talks like us, acts like us, is us, right? Because it makes us comfortable. No matter what you are in in your head. So while that's a good thing, because I, I think women should have a, 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 a women mentor to show that you can be successful, I love that. But getting someone to be your mentor that does not look like you, that does not sound like you, does not act like you, I think is equally as powerful, because it can show you that one of the things that hopefully people see in this conversation is we are one team. We are all on the same side of this thing. We're all together. Your success is my success. My success is your success. And that's what's helped me. I have multiple mentors. I have, and they range the gambit from a diversity perspective. And only a couple of years ago, did it even occur to me that it was diversity that was helping me because these have been my mentors for not just months, but decades that have helped me through my career. And I do the same. I want mentees that don't look like me solely, right? Some do. But some don't, and I think that's very, very important.
0: Guys, I feel like we just scratched the surface on this topic. But we're at the top of the hour, and we're out of time. So you're more than welcome. We could schedule, and we, we can continue. I, I wanted we just did, so, I just wrote a check today for 20 thousand dollars for MediaOps. We did something called Engineer the Change Scholarship, where we are we are sponsoring five Uh, people from disadvantaged communities, three of which are women, um, in getting uh, with a local school here in Boca Raton called Boca Code, and they're getting a 10-week immersive software uh, coding class where they're working on live projects. And and I will tell you, one winner is a 55-year-old single mother who has no tech background. And she just wants to get into tech. Another one is a is a recent graduate with a neuroscience degree who couldn't get a job because of COVID, and was um, I could cry almost saying this. She was washing a family's clothes for a living, doing laundry r- with a neuroscience degree. It's it's ridiculous, and so she's taking it. Um, who was the third? The third was a, a an immigrant from Western Africa, also. Not a big tech background, but really passionate about the community. Um, And then, and two gentlemen who I I think are going to be great engineers. But anyway, there are there are companies doing this. There are places right where we're making inroads. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Yeah, no, you know what? We made the local news. My wife's. One of my wife's sisters called up and said, We're, "You're all, Alan's on the news," and you know it. It was, and it wasn't really me on the news because I didn't want to be on the news. I made them interview the the winners, but um, it was it's great. And, I, and City Furniture, which is a big company down here in South Florida, when they saw it, they joined in and and, and doubled it. Yeah, and that is how it goes. And so we'll 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 continue. Ooh, Siri, speaking of women voice things, uh, voice assistants. Yeah, no, I, I don't even like to use it to tell you the truth, but that's a whole nother story. Let, let's continue this conversation another time, though. Karen, Michelle, thank you so much for bringing your perspectives to today's call. Matt and Mitchell, as usual, you know, you, you make it happen. Thank you. This is Alan Schimmel for CISO Talk. We'll be back in two more weeks with our next episode, and we hope until then you stay safe and well. Bye-bye.